Hey everybody, this is Townsend. I'm a singer, songwriter, musician, and mental health advocate. I started the You're Not Alone project and podcast to help educate, spread awareness, and simply help you feel a little less alone, no matter what you're going through. Thanks so much for tuning in to season two of You're Not Alone with Townsend, and I hope you enjoy. What is up, everybody? This is Townsend. I'm so excited about today's guest. So we've got Wendy Blackwood. She's a licensed professional counselor. I know for me, she's been more than amazing. She came on the podcast last year, actually multiple times. We talked about several different things, and her episodes are always some of the most popular. And we were just talking about it's really cool to get... Um, somebody that knows what they're talking about. That's the best way to put it. It's its awesome to get their point of view, kind of tips and tricks. So for people listening, this is a free therapy service. Like you cannot <laughs> beat this. I'm not going to send you a bill after this. So this is one that I would say tune in on. Um, so let's start out. Um, I will say we're going to be chatting about children. And so we wanted to name this one, Children, the Forgotten Grievers. Now, last year in 2022, we talked about grieving from an adult perspective. And we thought it'd be really cool to go ahead and hit up children because they grieve differently. But obviously, they need to be thought of as well. Um, All right. So let's get started. For the people that don't know, who is Wendy Blackwood? Well, I am Wendy Blackwood. I have a private practice in Conway, which I've been uh, taking care of for about 20 years, uh, healing path counseling. And, uh, and I, I do a variety of things. I specialize in trauma and grief. And, uh, but I see a little bit of everything as far as anxiety, depression, family systems issues. Um, I also uh, teach part-time at UCA and I'm on a couple of different uh, boards, uh, professional boards across the state. I love that. That is awesome. Um, So I have gotten to know Wendy. She's been more than helpful through my trauma. That is for sure. And I've actually known several people to come see you after hearing our podcast, by the way. Um, And I actually chatted with one tonight. I asked if they still came to see you. They said that they, um, what did they say? They felt as though they were better. So they were not seeing you anymore, but quote unquote, you were the smartest person they'd ever met. (laughs) Oh, and I said, I know, right? (laughs) Um, so yeah, no, all jokes aside, I'm super excited. Anything I can learn from you, I will take it. Absolutely. So let's hop right in. All right. So for me, so I think about kids, like my nieces and they come to my mind first, when we go through a traumatic event, you know, grieving as an adult is confusing and hard enough. So I cannot imagine through a kid's point of view. So the first question I can think of is, do children grieve differently than adults? Does it look any different? Um, it looks very different. So um, I say that children, um, they grieve in, in increments. So as adults, we, we dive in the deep end and we stay in it. Children are more like puddle jumpers. So they will grieve really hard. And then in 20 minutes, they're outside playing with their friends, laughing and giggling. And then something may occur. And in, in the next day, they're, they're in tears again and they're grieving. Sometimes their grief is quiet where they get very introverted. And sometimes it's outward with tears and questions. It really depends developmentally on where they are and, and their age. Yeah, very good. I was very much that quiet kid. So I'm trying to think back to when I would have may have been grieving as a child. It's hard to remember those things, but I was so quiet anyway. It's hard Mm -hmm. to think about how would my parents know if I was grieving, if I was like played by myself anyway. 
So, mm -hmm. okay. So let's go into, obviously the first thing that pops into people's head is when you think about grieving would be someone in the family passing away. Obviously this mm -hmm. is super tough for adults. What do children need to be told about someone dying? Like how would we go about that process? I want to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to these conversations. It truly means so much. We've changed so many lives for the better, and we want to continue doing so throughout 2023. This project is made possible by sponsors and patrons. So if you'd like to help keep the You're Not Alone project going and hearing these amazing stories, we would love for you to join the family at patreon.com slash Music. Just for signing up, you'll get free merch, discounts, and behind-the-scenes patron-only footage, not only of my music, but of each episode. That's right, so each guest on every episode answers a few more questions that only patrons will be able to watch and listen to. So head on over to patreon.com slash Townsend Team Music, and let's continue changing lives. Well, I think it... It depends on the the relationship that the child has with the person that is about to be lost, about to have some loss, or or has passed away. Um, if it's a close, connective relationship, um, the child needs developmentally needs the answers based on their age, but needs the truth. Um, and so oftentimes adults get very uncomfortable discussing death with children. Uh, they think they will disrupt them or disturb them and they will not. Um, they will help them and let the children take the lead. The children will ask questions and you give them the answers that their mind can handle. Yeah, my nieces are so inquisitive. They wanna know about everything. Mm -hmm. um, and we went through this with my grandparents. They want to know what happens. Where do they go? Um, why do people pass away? I remember one of my younger cousins, our uncle passed away in a car wreck. And so he was super young and he related cars with traumatic events. So he didn't mm -hmm. want his parents to get in a car. He mm -hmm. thought car means you're never coming back. So that was quite an experience with that. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and what he kind of uh, associated cars and death, but children, they're very concerned about what's going to happen to them. They're very uh, concrete in that. And if, if my uncle passed away, then that means my parents can pass away. Yeah. And that means I'm going to be alone. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of like reassurances of, you know, mommy and daddy have to go to work or go to grandma's or wherever, but we're going to be fine. Chances are we're going to be fine. And that's all you can tell them is that you're you know going to do your best to come home. Yeah, absolutely. So being straightforward, being honest about it, but letting them lead the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And answer their questions as they come. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I'm kind of flashing back to when my grandparents passed and my nieces were asking all these questions and you're totally right. We, we kind of get awkward and it's kind mm -hmm. of like, mm, yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's all as butterflies and rainbows. Yeah. yeah. Well, and as a, as a society, we are pretty grief illiterate. Yeah. And so we often don't have the words, the verbiage, or the comfortability to have just a really basic fundamental conversation, whether it be with another adult or with children. Isn't that sad? We just don't know what to say. Yeah. We know we're feeling yeah. it, but we just sweep it under a rug. They'll forget about it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then 20 years later, they pay you for a session <laughs> because whoever slept it under the rug 20 years ago. Um, yeah. Okay. So 
let's say, what do kids need to be told about a specific cause of death? So we talked about just letting them lead the conversation. Let's be honest, yeah. but what about a specific cause? How do we address that? Well, so let's let's talk a little bit about things that make people pretty uncomfortable, which would be like a homicide or a suicide. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like for, or or even like, you know, cancer. So if uh, if a person is sick or dying of cancer, we tell them that they that their body has a disease, and that sometimes people pass away from that disease. Sometimes the doctors can't fix that. When it's a homicide or a suicide, um, then you say that just like some people have bodies that have diseases, some people's minds have diseases, and sometimes that contributes to them passing away. Wow, that's and that's a hard conversation. That? Yeah, even yeah. for adults. Yeah, it's a really hard conversation. And oftentimes what I see is damaging is when people make up stories and tell people, oh, uncle so-and-so died of a car accident um, or had a heart attack when really that's not the truth. And the truth always comes out and then children feel betrayed. Oh, wow. Yeah. I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You try to make them feel better about it, but really later in life, it'll catch up. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like like I said, even even as an adult, that's a really hard conversation to have. It just, like you said, we're almost illiterate when it comes to grief. It's sad that we even have to have these podcasts that we have to talk about how to address grief because we don't know. I feel like when I went through grief myself, even as an adult, I was a young adult, but as an adult, people just kind of turned their back and pretended like, uh, she'll either talk to me if she wants to talk or come right. around when she feels better. And people often think if I bring it up, I'm going to cause pain. Yeah. Well, the person who's grieving is already in pain. Exactly. They're already in pain and they they're strong enough to have the conversation and they need to know that someone is thinking of them, that there's support there. If, if they're not ready to talk, they'll say so. Yeah, absolutely. It's like that people are afraid of that awkward moment, but I'm like, break the Mm -hmm. ice, break the ice, at least let them know Mm -hmm. you're thinking about them. Because it's, oh. it's actually more painful than to feel isolated and ignored. Hence where the you're not alone with Townsend came in. Literally that, that scenario right there is how this all started, which is kind of yes. cool. It's like a full mm-hmm. circle. Okay, so let's talk about we address the, you know, the death. We address what happened. Mm-hmm. Now, how about the funeral? I've had several friends that have kids, and we've been in this exact position talking about should they go, should they not? If there's an open casket, do you let them look? How, what would you suggest for that situation? Well, I think just like with adults, closure is important. You have to really establish what was the connection that this child has with the, the, the departed. And what, what is the purpose of them going? And so the purpose is to, to be able to say goodbye, basically. Um, but you need to also establish a, a routine depending on the child's age. If it's a teenager, you may let them bring their friend to sit with them, someone that they have that can be connected with them. If it's a smaller child, then you need to assign a, a good adult to be with that child during the time of the funeral or the visitation or whatever. Um, because the family may be disrupted. They may, they're gonna be grieving. You need to let this child know what they're gonna see, that they're gonna see emotion. They may hear crying. Um, you need to let them know what, how people are gonna be dressed and what the routine is. And then you let them, again, take the lead. Do they want to walk up and see the body or do they not? Do they need to be taken out? 
Um, because like I said, kids, the younger they are, the more you're going to see this. They're fine, then they're not, then they want to play. And you have to allow them to be kids. And so you need to have that good established adult that can take them by the hand and take them out if they want to leave. Um, let them run around in the, in the front yard of the funeral home if needed. It's okay. There's no have tos. It's just whatever's going to suit the child based on their age. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I want someone to take me by the hand, and let me frolic in the front yard while I do yes. my feelings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. Funerals are tough. Um, we keep going back to as an adult. How about? So you talk about emotions and grieving as a mother. So my friend that asked me these questions about the funeral, we were talking about this exact situation. Mm-hmm. So she had a problem with showing her emotion in front of her children. So would you recommend letting them see you fall apart, letting them see you feel your emotion or explaining mm-hmm. it first, kind of hiding it? What would you recommend for that situation? I think that children learn from what they live. And, you know, for, to, for the parent to be able to say, I am so sad and I miss grandma so much. And this is what it looks like. When, when we love somebody so much and we miss them, this is what it looks like. Now, that's different if you're completely melting down and you can't. It's okay to be present and grieve. If it's, if it's so disruptive that you can't, then you bring in another adult and have them assist until, until you can get a little bit more established. But children need to see emotion. They need to see happy emotions and sad emotions. It gives them permission. Yeah. Like we talked about, I feel like that situation is pretty awkward for adults. So maybe mm-hmm. just saying, you know what, this is me feeling sad. Mm-hmm. Just this is, and you can, like that. and you can use words with children. Like this is what grief looks like. And grief is when we love somebody so much that they're, when they're gone, we miss them so much. This is just how we show love. Yeah. Yeah. The, these tears are love. This is how we show mm-hmm. love. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Especially in those moments. It's like, you're processing yourself so having to guide someone else through processing god that's really mm-hmm. tough that's cool um okay yeah. so we talked about adults so adults gosh we um can be off the rocker sometimes we you never know what we're gonna do we might frolic in the front of the funeral home we might fall mm-hmm. apart we may be okay um, but as far as children, what reactions might you see in a grieving child? I know you talked about earlier, one mm-hmm. day they may be jumping in puddles, the next day they're crying. But what mm-hmm. are some things we should look for? Well, I think oftentimes um, you need to look for just just the tears. Um, but then also, are they transitioning in and out of emotion um, or are they withdrawn? Um, are they having behavior issues? Are they acting out at school? Are they aggressive with their peers or their siblings? Or are they completely shut down? Do they start having any unusual behaviors, waiting to bed again, anything like that, that, that is more so, it's more trauma than it is grief. Because you can have trauma and grief. You can have grief without trauma. But if they come together, then you're going to see some different types of behaviors. And if you give the children the words and the freedom to ask questions and have a place to put all those emotions, then you're less likely to see it being disruptive. Yeah. What about like for me personally, what what about like super quiet kids? Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that a lot of times you can just, you know, note that that kid is a child that does the introverted kind of you know, goes inward, but you just let them know, Hey, look, I'm here. Um, I can just sit with you. 
or let, let's just get a blanket and just cuddle up. Or, you know, if you don't want to play, that's okay. I'm just going to be nearby. You just let them know they're not alone. Yeah. Even that kind of comforted my younger self. I thought, yeah. man, if somebody would have been like, I had, let's get a blanket. Let's just be quiet. That even the thought of that is comforting. Like 30 years mm-hmm. later, isn't that wild? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Like comforts your younger self. Um, okay. So we, we touched on this a little bit as well. So my mind immediately goes to super young kids, like five years old for some reason, but Mm -hmm. does a child's age affect the understanding of death? Um, Definitely. So children that are, that are, you know, two and under, they, they don't understand that, that this person is just gone. Um, You know, when they get to be more elementary age, they understand, but they don't understand the permanency of it. They just know it's almost like somebody has gone on vacation or they've gone to work. Um, As they get older, they get closer to seven, eight, nine. They understand the permanency of it. It really depends on the person. If this is a parent that they lost, it's going to the the they're going to have a different reaction to it than because that's their, their primary caregiver. Um, You know, as they get older, as they get into preteens and teens, they understand they, uh, you know, they, they have to establish that new what's going to happen to me. Cause that's what kids like, once they understand it, that's what they worry about. What's going to happen to me. Where am I going to live? Where am I going to sleep? Who's going to buy my school clothes? Who's going to take me to school functions um, they, you know, who's going to bathe me like little kids are very basic in their, their needs. And as they get older, then those ideas change. If it's a teenager, the teenager may say, who's going to help me put my veil on at my wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, who's going to, who's going to see me at the prom, you know, who's going to take pictures of me. Who's going to buy Christmas this year, if that was that parent's role. And so, um, as they get older, their ideas and their thoughts and their worries change um and they grieve longer and differently than when they're little they're less puddle jumpers and they're more waiting in the shallow to the deep end yeah oh man that's so sad to think about my I know I keep referring back to it but it's kind of how I relate to the topic my niece when my grandparents passed away she's probably three at that time and she was upset in the moment because she did know them but now she's 10 and she actually saw a picture of my grandfather at our cabin and she was, she didn't know who he was. And yeah. it was weird to think about because in the moment she was upset and she missed him. But now that these years have passed, she doesn't even recognize him. So it's weird kind of to see her go through that and thinking back, like, do I know that man? Well, mm-hmm. it, it was almost her trying to figure out, well, why was I sad then, but not now? It's really cool to see her try to figure that out in that moment. Yeah. We'll talk about this later, but I kind of want to touch on last year. So we talked about grief for adults and some kind of tips and tricks on what could help them. And one of the biggest ones I remember that stick out was journaling. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and I feel like kids can be super creative. Do you feel like yeah. drawing or journaling could be therapeutic for some kids? Oh, 100%. You know, for them to be able to draw their feelings, even even four-year-olds, three-year-olds can draw their feelings. Um, and they can draw pictures of that loved one. They can, you know, write them a letter through with drawings. As they get older, they may write them a letter, you know, with crayons or with pens. Um, for them to be able to draw, to be able to journal and just, you know, just use the, those creative outlets um, to, to establish like a connection. Um, another thing that's important is transitional objects. And so it might be, 
um, a blanket or a stuffed animal that that connects them to the person that that they're missing, um, especially if they're going to be going to the funeral, that sort of thing. Maybe returning to school. Um, there's there's lots of ways to help comfort that child and allow them to establish some self soothing. Yeah. So like giving them a blanket from that person, you mean? Mm-hmm. Or just let them pick one out and say, you know, th- this can when you have this blanket, you can think of grandma. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. I love that. Um, so talking about transitioning back to school, let's say um, something happens during the summer. How the heck do we get the child to transition back into school comfortably or smoothly? Because mm-hmm. that's a huge adjustment. Yeah. Well, and, you know, with kids, again, because they kind of puddle jump, they're kind of ready to get back to a routine often. There's no, there's no right time. There's no wrong time. And so it's talking to the child what it's going to look like to go back to school. Um, it really depends on the person that they that they lost, you know, the, who, who was in that loss with them. And so if they, let's say they lost a sibling, like that will be a different combination of going back to school because the routine will be different. Or if it was a parent or if it was a caretaker, um, if it was a school friend. And so it's going to, you talk with them about what it's going to look like that's going to be different and what's going to look the same. And you assist them in talking about that routine, what it's going to look like, how you're going to get there, but also how to manage their, their mood once they're there. If it gets to be too much, it's okay to come home. Um, it's okay to have a plan of action. It's okay to say you're going to go to the counselor's office for 30 minutes if you need to. And if it's too much, then you can call me to pick you up. Um, you know, to make sure the teachers understand that the child is coming back to school and what the grief is, um, who was the person that, that they are grieving and allow the teachers to assist you and be your eyes and ears on the street, so to speak, so to speak for this child. So if they do need a little extra support, the teachers, the principal, the counselor can be there for them. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like a lot of this would roll over for adults as well. I was thinking, oh, yeah. if I went back to work like educating the coworkers, like, listen, this is kind of what happened. If I need to leave, I need to leave. And that's just kind of part of it. I feel like our society is so, well, that happened Friday and it's Monday. It's time to get back to work. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we kind of need to crush that outlook on it because that's not how it goes. That's not how it works. And and there's no timeline in grief. Um, You may grieve real hard for a few months or a year, or it may go on because there's going to be triggers. There's going to be things that make you think of that person. There's going to be moments. And so, you know, um, when, when you think about how long you're going to grieve, how long are you going to love that person? How yeah. long are you going to miss that person? That's how long you grieve. It just changes. It's not as acute and as sharp, it, but it's always present. Yeah. Uh, a while back, you and I talked about, and I think we talked about this on the last podcast a little bit, but your body's like a reminder. It's like mm-hmm. like a calendar, like a clock. And so it reminds yeah. you maybe before you even remember like, oh, today doesn't feel good. And I don't really know why I'm just kind of off my kilter a little bit. And then mm-hmm. you may look back and be like, oh yeah, today was that date that this happened with that person. Yeah. So your body's always keeping score for you. That's right. Your body keeps the score and it has a very accurate calendar. And it may not be that it's the day of the death, but it may be leading up to it. Yeah. Or your body may have a very distinct reaction to what it was like right afterwards. And so 
um, you know, uh, a, a lot of not feeling well, um, feeling upset stomach, feeling tearful, and you may not be able to put your finger on it till you look at the date. And with little kids, that may look like them being very fussy, um, being very disruptive, being not wanting to eat. They may even appear like they have the flu. Um, and so sometimes if we just look at the calendar, we're like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Yeah, that's so helpful to know that about yourself and your kids as well. Because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people don't know that. They just feel weird and they don't really know why. So especially when your kid is just randomly acting up a year later, it might make a little mm-hmm. bit more sense. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I love that. Um, so what are some do's and don'ts for maybe assisting kids through this hard time of grief? So maybe some some pointers on what we should do, some pointers on what we shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the the don'ts is don't talk to children as if they're dumb you know, give them, give them respect uh, for their intelligence and for their developmental stage. Be honest with them. That's, that's kind of the big one. Be honest as in a way that will be useful for that child. Um, Don't start things with, with the words, at least, you know, at least, at least they're no longer in pain. Well, guess what? We just want our mom here. Like, you know, don't, don't minimize or try to, don't try to make it all better. Um, you know, don't try to take the pain away because they deserve to grieve just like an adult deserves to grieve in their own timeline. Um, it's important to, to allow children to see that adults grieve also, to allow them to ask questions, questions and take their lead. Like they are going to lead you and you'll be surprised that they'll ask questions. You give them a little small answer and they're good and they're ready to go out and play. And so uh, allow them to take the lead on the conversation. Also, it's okay just to sit with them in silence. It doesn't always have to be a fix. Allow them to have the support they need in the way that that particular child needs. There's some children they're going to need to talk it to death, and there's some children they're going to need to be left alone. They just need to know that you're nearby and that you need, you know, that they have the support they need in the moment. And that everything that they're feeling, this is the big one, that everything that they're feeling is normal and that they are grieving the right way for them. And to even affirm that and say, you're doing a really good job of grieving. You're, you've got this, you've, you've got this figured out. You're doing a great job. Yeah, absolutely. So what does, just an example, like you were talking about, don't make them feel, don't make it feel dumbed down. Mm-hmm. So like, what would be an example of that or an example of how not to do that? Because, you know, baby talk is easy to do. You kind of fall yeah. in that, like, how would you, what's an example of not falling into that? Well, I think it's, you know, if a, if a child's, let's say a grandparent passes away and you have to come in and tell that child, you tell them very distinctly and you say, you know, um, you know, grandma was very sick and I went to the hospital to see her. And, um, and she, she has passed away and she's not going to be with us. Um, what questions do you have? Yeah. You know, and then you let them ask because sometimes depending on their age, they'll say, well, when is she coming back? Well, sweetie, she's not coming back. She's not going to come back, but we're going to remember her and we're going to talk about her and we're going to look at pictures of her. And you remember that stuffed animal she gave you, we're going to go get that. And you're going to get to hold that close. I love that. Does that make sense? And depending on the age of the child, you say it differently in more details because older children will say what happened. And then you can have that conversation of, well, you know, grandma had heart disease and her heart 
could not sustain her anymore. And she was so sick that, that she could not live with that heart. Yeah. I love that. That's great. I feel like a lot of the, I said this earlier, but a lot of this bleeds over into adults as well. I feel like society, even adults just aren't good in that situation. So let's say you're an adult. Mental health is kind of a new aspect for you, which it is for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And we get in this situation and we're grieving. And not only do I not really know how to grieve healthily, my child is grieving. What are some ways that I can learn how to go through this? What are some ways I could find help, some resources, something to help me get through? There are a lot of different resources out there. Anything to do with David Kessler. Um, he has some online support groups um, that are great for, and they he has some various specific different support groups. So if it's a loss of a parent or loss of a child or loss by homicide or suicide or sudden death, um, there was a lot of things established during COVID. And so um, to be able to log on and just join one of those groups that's online. Also, like with children, there's uh, the Children's Hospital definitely has some groups called Good Morning. Um, as in mourning the loss, and uh, and they have great resources. Um, there are a ton of different resources that that you can establish online. There's some books. Uh, there's a book for children called The Invisible String, um, and it talks about staying connected to someone who's no longer here. We can't see them or touch them. Um, and so there's a there's a ton of different resources available. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like it would be a good time as an adult maybe to step into counseling if they were wondering help you grieve healthily, help you mirror that for your child or whomever is going through? Mm -hmm. I think definitely. And I think to, to allow, like, it's a family systems issue when you, when you lose someone and sometimes the family has to grieve together, but to remember each member of the family is going to grieve in their own way. There's not a blueprint. And so where people get into troubles when they want someone to grieve like they are. And they, they think someone's not doing it correctly or long enough or the right way. And that's not true. And children watch us and they model us. And so if we model good grieving, good, good, healthy expressions of emotion, children will as well. Yeah. I love that. That's so cool. Monkey see, monkey do. Mm -hmm. I saw a video yesterday on TikTok. It was this mom who was pregnant and she was bowed back. Her back was hurting her and she was walking around the house. And right behind her was her little bitty son with his passy in. And he was walking around like that as well. <laughs> so they were just talking about how kids really mirror everything that you do, but even if you don't know it. Yep. So yep. mental health sure. is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, Wendy, per usual, it has been more than a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you for stopping by. Gosh, what is this like your third time on here? I think so. I love it. Listen. You're probably going to be back on this year because I, for one, love the feedback that you give. And like I said, I feel like it's really cool uh, to have someone local, for one, and two, uh, to be able to refer people to you, somebody that's close. People are always looking for places to go, people to talk Mm -hmm. to. And I can easily say, you know what, Wendy's great. If she doesn't have room, she's got plenty of other resources that she can refer you to. And not only that, having a professional point of view is so crucial, I feel like, because we can blab about things all day long. But when you have a professional on here, it just, it makes it much more adequate and much more, that much more verified, you know? Well, thank you. I really appreciate you uh, having me on and, uh, and I always enjoy our time. Absolutely. We'll see you back, I'm sure.
Okay. Hey, Wendy, let me ask you this before sure. we go, how could people get a hold of you? Cause like I said, I know last time that you were on this live stream, several people hit me up and actually came to see you later. Um, if you don't mind sharing how people could get a hold of you. Sure. The, the easiest way is to give me a call at, at Healing Path Counseling at 501-327-7224 or send me an email at wendy at healingpathcounseling.com. Awesome. I appreciate that. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that I answered some questions for you guys. Per usual, if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us an email and we will see you next week. Okay, guys, if you're in the market to buy or sell, I have the perfect company for you. Clark & Co. Realty is located in the Benton, Bryant, Arkansas area, but they're able to serve you no matter where you're located in the state. They've streamlined the process of buying or selling a home to make it so much easier. They have a team of industry experts that make sure you have access from anything you can think of. I'm talking from local home inspectors to painters to gardeners and so much more just to provide you with the best service possible. They're dedicated to providing the most up-to-date market data in the area. And I think the coolest part is if you go on their website, you can use their easy-to-use fast property search. You can even create a custom market report to see what's active, under contract, and sold in your neighborhood. Their team is made up of caring, knowledgeable professionals that work around the clock to help you with the process of buying and selling your home. So again, if you're in the market to buy or sell, Clark & Co. Realty is definitely the company for you. Tell them Townsend sent you. Let's be honest. I think we could all use somebody to talk to every now and then. Healing Path Counseling in Conway, Arkansas is 100% my go-to when it comes to therapy. Wendy Blackwood has more credentials than letters in the alphabet. She's won awards for her outstanding services and has a whole page of board memberships. Basically, she knows what she's doing. She works hard to help equip you with the tools needed to live your best life. She even offers a variety of services, including, but not limited to, cognitive behavioral therapy, technology-assisted counseling, relationship counseling, and EMDR. Trust me, I know therapy can be intimidating at first, but let me assure you, Wendy does her best to make you comfortable and find the best solutions and plans for you. Trust me, don't wait to make the call. Give Wendy Blackwood at Healing Path Counseling a call today. Get started on the best version of you.